Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Good morning, Church. It's so great to be with you again. If you're watching us for the first time, then can I just make you very, very welcome. We're really glad that you have joined us this morning. My name is Gareth and myself and my wife Hannah, we're the senior leaders here at Revive Church Newbridge. And again, if it's your first time with us, it's a pleasure to have you. Welcome. We hope you feel welcome and um, great to great to have you with us. You've joined us in week four of, of a 10 week series that we've called blessed where we are unpacking a sermon given by Jesus that we we call the Beatitudes or, or in more modern English we'd say it's the blessings where Jesus says blessed are and he goes through this list of different blessings and what we're doing each week is we're unpacking uh, each of the blessings one by one and looking at what Jesus said and how that blessing outworks in our lives but it's also our goal that through these teachings of Jesus we can show you that there is always more you know the bible says there is always something more there's there's more than just a blessing here there there is something more there is a a, a blessing and there is a response you know god said to abraham i will bless you and you will be a blessing to others i'll bless you and you will be a blessing to others. And, and it's our intention through this series to give you some, some keys uh, to help you live a blessed life. But not just live a blessed life, but live a blessed life where you are blessed to be a blessing to others. And in this passage that we're looking at in Matthew 5, through, through Matthew 5, through Matthew 6 and Matthew chapter 7, Jesus is teaching. He's teaching his listeners about a new way of life, a new standard, standards for living. And he starts here in Matthew chapter 5 with your attitudes, with your internal thought process, your internal positions. And right at the end, he gets to the external, because right at the end of Matthew chapter 5, he says this, a good tree cannot produce bad fruit. A bad tree cannot produce good fruit. You identify a tree by its fruit. And Jesus is saying your internal characteristics, they'll be dis your internal attitude will be displayed by your outward characteristics, your fruit. And it's in Galatians 5 that we see these attributes, the same attributes I think that Jesus is, is hinting at in Matthew chapter 5. In Galatians chapter 5, Paul uh, references them. He said, these are the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. And what Jesus is doing in Matthew chapter 5, he is giving us attitudes to develop within ourselves attitudes to live our lives with and when we develop these attitudes internally they outwork externally as fruit as characteristics they're, they're the fruit of what is going on inside we're a good tree producing good 
fruit. And we've looked at what it means to be blessed. We've looked at what it means to be joyful. And, and Hannah Cadman last week gave us a great message on how we can be people of peace, how we can be uh, full of peace. And I want to move on to the next statement this morning, which again is in Matthew chapter 5 and it's verse 5. It's one really short line. It says this, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. And to anyone listening, who, who in that moment was listening to Jesus talking, anyone that knew the Hebrew scriptures, they know that Jesus isn't saying anything new here. Because if you go back to the time of David in Psalm 37, it's verse 11, David writes these words, Those who are gentle and lowly will possess the land. They will live in prosperous security. And another translation of that same psalm says this, The meek shall inherit the land. Blessed are the meek. And Jesus is using something written long before he was born and he's bringing it into the context of now. He's bringing it into the context of the people now because he wants to remind them of the importance of meekness. And he's doing that because Jesus is living and he's teaching in a, in a culture where power is everything. Remember, Jesus was teaching during the Roman occupation at a time where power and dominance and strength, they were the most important things. And, and the Jewish people at the moment, when Jesus is teaching, they are ruled by the Romans. They are being oppressed by the Romans. And ironically, it's in a period known as the Pax Romana, which translates as the peace of Rome and it doesn't necessarily mean that it was a peaceful time it means that Rome was so powerful so strong so dominant that no one could oppose them so there was in a funny sort of way peace and so the people on the hillside they're listening to Jesus and they're listening to it in a culture where strength and power they were the main things they were the things to strive for and they may have expected Jesus to say blessed are the strong Blessed are the powerful. But he doesn't. He reminds them of a biblical principle that David wrote hundreds of years before. The meek are the blessed ones, for they shall rule the world. You know, I've admitted this before that I'm a, I'm a closet wrestling fan. I, I like my pro wrestling. I'm not embarrassed about that. But, but the thing about wrestling is it's all about aggression. It's all about competition. It's all about dominance. It's all about trying to put one guy down so that you can come out on top. And in, in wrestling, you have to be aggressive. You have to be assertive. And, and every wrestler has one goal, and that's to be the world champion, to be recognised as the best in the world. And you can relate that to any sport, really. Football, rugby, uh, boxing, athletics, where, where natural talent is great. That's what gets you onto that level. But it's that, that uh, feeling of competition, that aggressiveness, that assertiveness. That's what gets you to that, that, those great places because you're driven to be the best. You're driven by competition. You are striving to be the world champion, striving to be recognised as the top in your sport, in your discipline, in the world. And the problem is, when you look at the word meek, it carries connotations of weakness, of shyness, 
And there's a famous hymn writer called Charles Wesley who probably didn't help because he wrote these words, gentle Jesus, meek and mild. And, and maybe Wesley just wanted to use a bit of alliteration, you know, that meek and mild. But, but using meek and mild together gives this, uh, it makes Jesus sound like a bit of a wimp. And I think it misses the meaning of meek, you know, using meek and mild. It, it sounds like a really rubbish curry, you know, chicken korma, meek and mild. But when I look at Jesus, I see a man who stood up to the religious authorities. I see a man who gathered a crowd wherever he went. A man who a group of friends burst open a roof so they could get their friend to him. I look at Jesus and see a man who healed the sick. I see a man who raised the dead. I see a man who chased corrupt moneylenders out of the temple with a whip. Can I say that Jesus had spice? Can I say that Jesus had flavour Jesus had power but despite all that Jesus was still regarded as meek so to me meek can't mean weak meek is not weak so what does meek mean well meek in the in the original Greek is the word praus and, and when you look at what that means, it doesn't mean weak at all. It doesn't mean cowardly. The Greek word praus is, is more to do with strength. Uh, and it means power under control. And, and actually, it's a little deeper than that. When you get into the language, it means to exercise God's power under his control. So when we are meek, we are exercising God's power, the power of the Holy Spirit, the same power that healed the sick, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. Paul talks that that power lives in us, that same power. So when we're meek, we're exercising that same power, but we're doing it under God's control. And you know how Jesus called us to live. We are, we are meek, not weak. We have the strength to be gentle and that's the fruit of the spirit that's being produced here is gentleness it's not weakness it's gentleness it's exercising the power of God but under his control so when we live with an attitude of, of meekness it outworks in our lives as gentleness and it doesn't mean we have to be walkovers it doesn't mean we have to hide away in the shadows because we have that power we have the power of the holy spirit but to be meek to be gentle means we use it under god's control you know if the fruit of the spirit is gentleness then it was produced by the spirit it's produced by the same power that god uh, displayed throughout creation and it's the power and the presence of god that works through us so just to give you an example, early in the Bible, uh, we in the book of Exodus, we read or we're introduced to what, probably one of the most famous characters in the Bible, Moses. And we read Moses as this great leader of, of a nation. But one of the things the Bible says about Moses is this, that he was the meekest man on the earth. Now, just to give you a bit of backstory on Moses, Moses was a Hebrew boy, but he was raised as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. So he was raised to nobility. He was raised in power. He was raised to have authority. 
and on one day he's walking amongst where the people are working. Now he knows deep down he's a Hebrew, but he's been raised in the aristocracy. He knows he's got power. He knows he's got position. He knows he's got authority. But he's walking among his people and he's watching them work and they've been subjected to slavery by the Egyptians and he, and he sees an Egyptian beating one of his people. And so Moses uses his own power, his own strength, and he kills the Egyptian and he hides the body. And the next day he's out again and he spots two, uh, two Jews, two Israelites, two Hebrews fighting. And he goes over to try and kind of use his influence, use his power, use his position, use his authority to try to break it up. And um, what do they say? What are you going to do, Moses? Are you going to kill us like you did that Egyptian? And Moses knows he's in trouble. <laughs> Moses knows he's got a problem. So Moses runs away. He runs away out of Egypt, into the desert, into the wilderness. And he spends years hiding. 40 years out in the desert. And he goes from living in the splendour and power of the, of the palace uh, in Egypt to spending 40 years looking after someone else's sheep. And that's where God finds him. And after 40 years, God calls him. And when you read that text really carefully, you can see that any sense of entitlement Moses once had has long gone. Because when God calls Moses, Moses says this, who, me? Like, who am I? What, what power do I have? Why would Pharaoh listen to me? And God says, go, I am with you. And now Moses goes to Egypt. He, he needs a bit of reassurance, but he goes to Egypt. And by the time he gets there, he's full of confidence. But he's not confident in himself, but he's full of confidence, full of faith in God. And in Moses' life, we see this incredible comparison between the, the old proud Moses and the meek Moses that goes back into Egypt. See, proud Moses killed one Egyptian. Meek Moses was part of decimating an Egyptian army. Proud Moses couldn't free one slave. Meek Moses freed a nation. Proud Moses had to sneak out of the back door of Egypt. Meek Moses marched at the front of a million Hebrews out the front gates. Proud Moses led no one. Meek Moses led a nation for well over 40 years. Proud Moses hid from Pharaoh. Meek Moses met God face to face. Meekness is not weakness. Meekness is strength. It is power under control, exercising God's power under his control. You know, Paul says in his letter to the Ephesians, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Be strong, but not in your own power, but in God's. In another letter to the Corinthians, Paul says this, that the God's power is made perfect in our weakness. And he goes on to say, when I'm weak, that's when I'm strong. Why am I strong? Because I have the power of God and I exercise it under his control. So how can we have power and be gentle? 
And there's lots of ways, you know, physically we can do this just by being physically gentle, being gentle with our words. But but what I want to come back to is right at the end of, of this bit in Matthew chapter five, Jesus talks about being salt and light. And he says that we're meant to bring influence, being salt and light. We're meant to bring flavour. We're meant to bring taste. We're meant to bring light into dark places. You know, salt has the power to change the flavour of any food and light has the power to illuminate any dark space and through Jesus we have the power to make a difference to make changes in the world but we're called to do it with an attitude of meekness and a display of gentleness not by force not by power not by shouting at people you remember what God said to Zechariah it's not by might it's not by strength but it's by my spirit the spirit of God working through us that produces the strength and the attitude that outworks as gentleness. I'm still strong, but it's his power under his control. Jesus said, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are the gentle, because they'll be the ones with influence. They'll be the ones who find themselves in positions of authority because they come from a place of meekness and humility and they outwork gentleness and you know when we talk about influence we have this picture in our heads of huge crowds of followers but you know the most influential movement in the world was started by 12 men in a rented room and one by one through meekness through gentleness through relationship they changed the world. Did any of them hold a high-powered position? No. But they had influence. They changed the world, one person at a time. You know, John chapter 1 says that Jesus was full of grace and truth. And to me, that's gentleness. That's, that's power under control. There is truth, but there is also grace and there's a great story in the bible in john chapter 8 where jesus is teaching and, and suddenly the leading priests come out to jesus and they drag this woman in front of jesus and they say hey jesus we've caught this woman in the act of adultery which which always poses two questions that if they if they caught her in the act of adultery what were they doing there but also if they caught her in the act where's the man but anyway, they bring this woman out to Jesus and they're saying, you know, the law says she, she should be stoned. And they're all truth, 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 because they're saying this is what we've caught her doing. This is what the law says. And they're trying to get Jesus to agree with them. And we read in the story that Jesus bends down and he writes in the dirt. And we don't know what Jesus wrote maybe he was writing their names maybe he was writing down their sins maybe he was writing down the names of their mistresses but he gets back up and he says okay stone her but whoever has never done anything wrong gets to go first and they all start to walk away and Jesus turns to the woman he says where are your accusers didn't even one of them condemn you and the woman looks at Jesus and says, no. And then Jesus says this, neither do I. You know, that's grace. 
I know what you did, but I don't accuse you. And then he says, now go and sin no more. There's, there's, that's the truth. You know, and Jesus says, I know what you did, but I don't accuse you. But if you're going to move forward, if you're going to be free, you need to stop doing it. And can I tell you this morning, wherever you're watching, Jesus loves you the way you are. He loves you the way you are. He knows what you're thinking. He knows what you've done. He knows where you are in life. He knows what you're going through and he loves you right where you are. And that's grace. We talk about it. We sing about it. That is amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. But the, the thing is, Jesus loves you the way you are, but he loves you too much to let you stay there. He loves you too much to leave you there. And that's the truth bit. He wants to bring you out of where you are and, and set you free into his light and into his plans and his purposes for you. Now, Jesus said, the sun sets free is free indeed. Jesus said that he came that you would have life and life in all its fullness, that you would live a life of love, joy, patience, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. That you, you'd live a life that is saved, that is healed, that is restored, that is empowered by God to make a difference in the world. The truth will set you free. And to me, gentleness is about living with truth and grace. It's about loving well, but standing firm. And we have to get that balance. We can't be all truth, 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 because truth without grace is just mean. But grace without truth is meaningless. Truth without grace is mean. But grace without truth is meaningless because grace without truth means that anything goes and we can allow people to reinterpret the Bible and, and, and try and mould the Bible around their worldview and, and, and their agenda. And actually, we need the truth of God's word. We need the truth of what God says. You know, Jesus says it's the truth that sets us free. And I would add it's the truth that sets us free, but it's grace that keeps us free. And we're called to be gentle. We're called to live lives that balance grace and truth, empowered by the Spirit, but under God's control. Can I encourage you this week to live lives of gentleness? To live lives where you exert God's power under his control. That whatever you face this week, face it with grace. Face it with truth. Whatever whoever you encounter this week, whatever people you encounter this week, whatever challenges you have this week, be a person of grace and truth. Stand firm, but love well. Bear the fruit of gentleness. You know, the greatest example of gentleness and meekness we have is Jesus. And we believe Jesus was and is the son of God. Jesus was and is the most powerful being in all creation. But when he went to the cross, Jesus, in, in an act of pure meekness, surrendered his power, surrendered his authority. There's an old song that says he could have called 10,000 angels to set him free. 
but he chose to stay and die for you and me. You know, Jesus had the power. He had the strength. He had the authority, but he chose to stay on the cross. This is what Isaiah says about Jesus, that it was our weaknesses he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. He was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we would be whole. He was whipped so we would be healed. He was oppressed and treated harshly, yet he never said a word. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep is silent before the shearers, he did not open his mouth. You know that strength under control, that Jesus would give his life willingly, that we would be saved, that we could have our hearts restored, our, our hearts revived, our hope restored, and our lives rebuilt through relationship with Jesus. You know, it was our weaknesses he carried, our sorrows that he took on. He was broken so we could be made whole. He bled so that we could be healed on the inside and the outside. And, and we always want to end our service with two simple questions, and they are quite simply, do you know God? And the second question is, are you ready to know God? Where you might say, OK, God, I've looked for power and I've looked for position and it hasn't satisfied me. And I know that I'm not enough without you. Jesus said, blessed are those who recognise their need for God. And if that's you this morning, we'd love you to join us in a simple prayer where we just say, OK, Jesus, I need you. Would you come into my life? Would you give me that strength? Give me that power I need to live the blessed life that you have for me. So if that's you this morning, I'd love for you to join me in a really simple prayer. So Jesus, I need you. I'm not enough without you. Please come and save me. Come and live inside me. I believe you're the son of God. I believe you died for me. Thank you that everything I've ever done wrong or thought wrong was nailed to the cross so that I could be free. Jesus, today I put my faith in you. I receive the gift of your spirit to help me live a blessed life, a life empowered, a life guided and strengthened by you. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven.